0: FaceTime is the name of our new series, FaceTime. And just before we engage in our time together around God's Word, would you help me thank God once more for all the mothers who are here? Thank you so much. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you, choir, uh, our media team, our ushers, greeters. It's so good to be here on this Mother's Day as we turn our attention to God's Word. Um, And again, our series is called FaceTime, Cultivating Genuine Connections. And it's appropriate that we start this new series of face, uh, called FaceTime and Cultivating Journey Connections on Mother's Day. For as a result of Mother's Day, we're all blessed with that special connection that all of us have a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got two amens and one grunt. <laughs> Indeed, and we celebrate all of our godly mothers and all those who are mother figures in our lives on this day as we turn our attention, again, from the Word of God. Our hopes is that we would learn uh, from one of the mothers in the sacred text. And you'll find our passage today from 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, the first chapter, the message for the morning is going to be coming from. 1 Samuel, the first chapter, is where my reading will begin. In your copy of God's Word, uh, you should see words similar to these. There was a certain man... Arimathamon, Zophin of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jehoram, son of Elhu, son of Tohu, son of Zuph, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, that's Paniah, used to provoke her grievously, to irritate her, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on a seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. So Holy Spirit, now time together, I'd like to speak to you from this particular passage with this uh, message on our minds, And that is lessons from a godly mother. lessons from a godly mother. How many of you, by show of hands, can say that you've learned a lot of lessons from your mother? Lessons you wanted to learn and lessons you did not want to learn. <laughs> if your mother's with you, just go ahead and thank God for her and uh, don't look at her sideways even though there are some lessons you uh, thought you already knew about that you didn't need to hear from your mom. Um, because every now and then, Tyrone, if we're not careful, um, we'll, we'll fall into the trap where mom will line us up with those familiar phrases that we should not forget, mama always knows was best. Um, And we thank God for all of our mothers, and I want to thank God for the mother of my children, my wife, 25 years, Kiana. Uh, Thank you so much, baby, and God bless you on this Mother's Day. And again, to all our mothers who are here, uh, we're looking at this passage of Scripture. And through it, I would like to invite you to have some FaceTime with one of the ladies in the text. Now, you're introduced to this family unit. You're introduced to this family unit. Uh, this is Elkanah's family unit, where he's a husband. But the text opens up by saying he's a husband of two wives. I paused there. I almost choked there, Brother Al, when I read that, because I realized how much of a blessing it is to have <laughs> one wife. <laughs> I can. know what y'all laughing about can only imagine how the difficulty it would, it would, it would call to have, have two, I mean, uh, but he has two wives. We understand in the context of this text uh, and in this day, uh, what really uh, made womanhood or the value of women were at this time and age were their ability to produce offspring. And as we noted in the text that Hannah was unable, she was prevented from producing offspring. We believe, as scholars do, that the listing of her name and the order in which is listed, Lori, would indicate then that she was the first wife. She was the one that Elkanah loved. And as a result of her barrenness, um, there was a second wife that was chosen by the name of Penina. Now, you've already read. You've read with me some things about her characteristic. You know that Hannah desired children, but she did not have children at the time, this time in the text. But then there's this other figure in the house called Penina. Can you say Penina? penina. Doesn't it sound like a pain? I mean, she was the one that was causing pain, um, Belle, in the life of Hannah. Can you see her in her setting? Hannah is in her household, and in this house, she's always reminded of where she falls short. In this in this context, Wanda, uh, she's every day reminded of what she's unable to do. Can you sympathize or even empathize with Hannah just for a moment here? Every day, she's reminded. Every day, it's in front of her where she's unable to to do or produce for her husband every day. She's reminded that she's less than in their context. Every day in the house, as she goes about, she's reminded that she's the problem and not Elkanah. She knows Elkanah's not the problem because every time she turns around, Paniah is just spitting them out. It's in the Bible, y'all. She, she had <laughs> She had sons and daughters. It's interesting, they don't even number the amount. All we know is that every time Hannah turns around, Paniah is pregnant. And she isn't. And if that were not enough, she's not only being reminded by what she sees, Penina is reminding her about what she says. And the Bible says that she's being provoked, irritated, over and over again, by someone who lives in her house. Can you see this? There's no getting away from it. It's always there. And not only is it there, but get this, her problem, her heartache, her, her tension, her predicament, not only hangs with her at the house, it follows her to worship. Mm. It's right there. Because the Bible says again in verse 3 that every year they'd go up and sacrifice, and in verse seven it says, so it went on year by year. What went on? Her rival in verse six provoked her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her wound." so it went on year after year as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, verse 7, she used to provoke her. Get this. It's bad enough when you got the problem at home, but even but when you come to worship, the problem is still there. Can, can you imagine it? Somebody always in your ear telling you uh, what you're not doing right, what you can't accomplish, what you did not accomplish. Have you been there before? I mean, I know they're not with you right now, but have you been there before? You tr- Brianna, you're just trying to hang around and try to enjoy worship, and sudden, that somebody behind you, look like they have more to talk talk about that affects how you hear what's coming from the stage. Have you been there before? If they bother you, you let me know, okay? You let me know. Um, but ha- have you been there before, that here you're trying to, to en- engage with God, trying to be sensitive to God's presence, and your problem that you thought you could have left at home makes its way to sit right next to you in the congregation? You know, the reality is that sometimes you never know what people are going through. I know we come here on Sunday, but you really don't know the weight and the pain and the pressure that sometimes accompany us even in worship. And yet God is calling us and is allowing us and enabling us to be able to live godly lives no matter what kinds of pains, problems, or predicaments we find ourselves in. One of the things we learn and we will learn from Hannah is that godliness grows in continued connection to God. Somebody say continued connection. That if you want to grow in godliness, if you want to grow into the purpose that God has for you, if you want to be all that God has called you to be, it will require you to remain connected to God no matter what kind of conflicts you have to go through, no matter what obstacles you have to cross over, no matter what problems seem to bring that way with you. It's your goal, your your task to stay connected to God no matter what happens. That's really what we learn from this godly woman. Because this godly woman tells us the right way to live godly. This godly woman. Who do you think is the godly woman in the text? Do you think it's Panaya who is causing the pain? Or do you think it's Hannah who is seeking the Lord? Oh, that wasn't a rhetorical question. I really want to know. Anybody know the right answer? You raised your hand in the back of the class and said, Hey, I got the answer. I got the answer. It's definitely not Panaya. No, Panaya was a pariah. She... um. She always caused problems, but notice Hannah. Hannah in the text I uh, redeem as a godly woman because, notice this, despite the irritation and the frustration, you don't see any retaliation on Hannah's part. Hannah is not turning all her frustration toward Paniah. She's not even blaming God for her situation, but rather she's unleashing an ability that God gives to those who trust in him, that in the midst of her worry, in the midst of the weight of her misery, look at what she did. She took it to worship. Uh, You missed it. I hope you get this. That no matter what happened and no matter what's following her, she didn't let it stop her from getting to worship. No matter the trouble, no matter the difficulty, it didn't matter who it was or what it was. Nothing was going to stop her from getting to worship. Even if the problem was with her, she wouldn't stop her from getting to worship. It tells me that she knew something about the psalmist that said, this is the day the Lord has made. You thought I forgot, huh? I will rejoice and be... You can only be glad when you don't let Lottie Dottie and everybody get in the way of you coming to worship. You don't allow anything or anyone or any problem or any conflict to stop you from getting in the presence of God. Who am I speaking to on this morning, on this Mother Day morning? Because sometimes the devil has your address, knows where you are, tries to block you and stop you. And you're looking at your neighbor right now and you're telling him, you don't know what I had to get through to get here. But by God's grace, I got here because nothing was going to stop me from getting to worship. Because if we're going to grow in our godliness, we have to understand, as Hannah demonstrates, that worship is the right way of life. Worship is a lifestyle. It is not something that we pick and put down. That if you are a true worshiper, you're always worshiping the Lord. You're worshiping the Lord on good days. Anybody having a good day today? But you also worship Lord on not-so-good days. Anybody ever been in a bad day, between a rock and a hard place, didn't know how you were going to make it out, and yet you still came and said, you know what? I will bless the Lord at all times, and His presence shall continually be on my mouth. Here Hannah continues to worship God. And notice she worships even though the weight of her predicament is still present with her in the worship experience. You ought not let anything get in the way. She worships God continually. Fulfilling what Christ said when he spoke to the Samaritan woman um, when he told her uh, in John 4, he said, But the hour is coming, and now it is here when the true worshippers will worship me, worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. How many in here that you're able to focus your attention on God because this is when you really worship? We don't worship when we come into place. We worship when we let God feel the place. We don't worship when our attention is on our problems. We worship when our attention is on our problem solver. In fact, I think the best place to bring your problems is to worship so that when you get into worship, you can show your problems just how big your God is instead of complaining about how big your problems are. Yeah. Hannah is in worship. Paniah is with her. It's interesting, though, because sometimes when you're in worship, Um, everybody won't particularly understand the pain that you're going through. I want to talk to you and minister to your hearts for just a moment because sometimes we fall into the the misconception that everybody's supposed to feel and understand and empathize we're going through when the truth is there's some pains too deep for other people to really realize that you're holding on to. There's some pains and frustrations that you go through that some people don't even know how to speak to, even the people who are closest to you. I'm still in the text. Okay, let's go back to the family unit, because you have Elkanah, and Elkanah, uh, when they're on their way to worship, he'd give Paniah what she needed, Doug, for the sacrifice. He'd give it to his daughters and his sons from Paniah, but the text says he'd give Hannah a double portion. He gave her a double portion, and then he started to ask those questions. Ladies, you know how we do sometimes when we don't know what's wrong, but we know something is wrong, and you really can't articulate what's wrong. Uh, you know how we do sometimes. We start asking those questions. Okay, Anthony, I'm not going to turn to the right because that's where Kiana is right now. I'm just talking just, just to you and I. I want you to open up your Bibles, those of you who are listening, and all the fellas in the house, I want you to lean in for a moment because look at what Elkanah says. He's asking the question of his wife, basically, what's wrong? El- in verse Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Oh, hold on, that's the first one. She didn't answer. Notice, you don't see an answer there. Then He asked, and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Lean in, fellas. He says, am I not more than ten sons? (laughs) Brothers, Fellas, hear hear my heart, okay? Don't always make the problem worse by making it about you. (laughs) Uh, Come come here, come here. Take your Bible out and write, never, 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 (laughs) never, 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 never never say this. Go, go, go Go ahead and write it out here. But it's amazing how people will not always understand the pain that you're going through and and they want to turn it on them. Have you ever been there before where you're trying to tell somebody what you're going through and next thing you hear from them, they say, oh yeah, I've been through that too. Ain't been nowhere close to what you've been through. (laughs) Am I on my soapbox? I'm sorry, y'all. So Elkanah says, am I not more. But ladies, look in the text because Hannah doesn't turn her hostility toward Elkanah even though he's way off base. She she does not tell him about himself, doesn't move her neck, doesn't point her finger. No, 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 no. It's not in there. That's not what she does. What she does is the Bible says in verse 9 that after they've eaten and they drunk in Shiloh, she rises up and she makes her way To the place of worship that shows us that no matter what you're going through the way to get through what you're going through is to learn how to worship the God who can get you through she's worshiping but not only is she worshiping check this out she's not only worshiping but let's look at what happens she gets into the place of prayer Eli the priest is sitting there in verse 10 she said she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord And wept bitterly. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you would indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Eli, see, you in there? Um, And Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I haven't drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord." Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of great anxiety and vexation. Look at the text. Look closely at Hannah as we give some face time to how she remedies her situation. She didn't go to anyone before she went to the Lord. She brought her problem in prayer to God, and that might be a solution for some of you. In fact, it would be a solution for all of us that anytime we are finding ourselves with a problem that is too difficult for us to bear a problem that makes his way into the worship space with us, since it's with you anyway, you ought to go ahead and give that thing over to God. By the end of our message time, we're going to offer a prayer time for you to do just that, but I want you to catch this for a moment, because in the midst of her predicament, Hannah knows how to handle it, and the best way to handle what you're going through is to give what you're going through to the God who can handle whatever you're going through. Oh, that's why Peter said it this way. Cast all your cares upon him. For there's only one person God cares about. Here it is, because God cares about you. Ah, uh, she prays to God because not only is worship the right way of life, prayer is the right practice for living. Listen, the Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 5:16 that we ought to pray without ceasing, that we ought to continue to pray every day, every season that we take, whatever the problems are, whatever the trials are, whatever the struggles are, and we purposely present them before God. I don't know about you, but my God, there's nothing too hard for my God. I don't know about who you worship, but I know there's nothing impossible for the God that I serve. So if it seems like an impossibility in your life, that's just the right kind of problem to get to God. And I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what season you're in in this life. But what I can tell you is that God is here. He's available. He's available for you. And when you come to him in prayer, he honors those who trust him enough to pray to him. Amen. Because prayer doesn't change things. Prayer touches the heart of God. And God can change things. I'm trying to help you understand something because it's biblical. For you to pray. not only biblical for you to pray, but there are blessings when you pray. For when you pray, God transforms the atmosphere. I'm in the text because there she is and she's being uh, misunderstood. After she's prayed, the preacher, the priest sees her and accuses her of being drunk in church. Yeah. Now, listen to me. Come here. I don't advocate for you being drunk in church. That's, of course, you're drunk by the Spirit. But, 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 I don't advocate for you to be drunk in church, but if you're going to be drunk, the best place to be. (laughs) He accuses her of being drunk, Muhammad, but check the text out. She then has the conviction to correct his mischaracterization and give clarity to her conduct. Because sometimes when people misunderstand you in worship, that's a teachable moment. You're missing it already. You ought to tell somebody. When they come to you and ask you some of those crazy questions, when you're in the midst of worship and you're praising God and they don't understand, Lean, why you praise the way you praise, why you do it the way you do it, Mama grin what you can tell them every now and then, you can, you know what? I've been waiting for you to ask me that. I've been waiting. I need to tell you just how good God has been. No matter what I've been through, don't judge my season by the sight because God has still been good to me. Ah, she he thinks that she is she's drunk but she corrects him and after correcting him he delivers was probably what i believe to be the shortest preaching sermon message in the Bible. I know some of you right now, you're looking at your watch and you say, yeah, I wish you would practice that, preacher, uh, right about now. I mean, it's Mother's Day. You know, everybody is getting ready to line up for the restaurants. But check this out. Uh, so, so she tells him in verse 16 all that she's going through and how she's speaking with great anxiety and vexation. Verse 17, Eli answers her. Look at the, look at the message. He says, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. I hope you see it here. I hope you see that in the midst of her her problem, she brought it to prayer, and there's a transformation that happened. It's right there in the text. Wait a minute. She found peace even though she was going to go back to the same predicament that she just left. You missed it already. Let me check check it out again here. He tells her to go in peace. Then the woman went back her way. Wait. Panaya is still back there, Paniah is still in the house, and yet Hannah made her way back to the house, back in front of Paniah. but this time she's eating and her face is no longer sad. What happened between the time she left Paniah and the time she got back to Paniah is that she was in the presence of God, and anytime you come in this place and you're in the presence of God, something in your life ought to change. You ought to not leave the same way you came in. You ought to be able to have a peace about you because... When you trust in the right way, it'll bring you to peace. When you trust God, God will bring you to the place of peace. Even when the problem is still present. Mm, who am I talking to? Because you got to go back to work on Monday. Who am I talking to? Then you got to go back to school on Monday. Who am I talking to? You got to go back to that same house with some of them same Elkanahs and Penelope. Pani- who who live with you. Who am I talking to? Because when you go back, here's the good news. You don't have to go back by yourself. You can have God to go with you. And when God goes with you, his peace goes with you. And his peace is a perfect peace. It's not the kind of peace the world gives and takes away. No, it's the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding that when you get back to where you're going from, folks will look at you and say, wait, what happened to you? You can tell them the joy I have the world didn't give to me and the world surely can't take it away. Why? Because I've been with God. And things happen when you've been with God. I'm at the latter part of the text because the Bible says that she left a different way. And verse 19 says, "They, they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before God because she was a worshiper. And they went back to their house at Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remembered her, and in due time, somebody say due time, due time. in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Samuel, and said, I have asked for him from the Lord in due time. I love this text, which means there's some time between when she prayed to when God responded to a prayer. It's, it's due time, it's, and that due time, I wonder what do you do until it's your due time? Hmm? what, What do you do? I can tell you what she did. She trusted in God. And every day of your life, every season of your life, every point in your life, God is asking you at least one question. Are you going to trust me? No matter what it looks like, will you trust him? No matter what it feels like, will you trust him? These are not rhetorical questions. I'm really asking you these questions. No matter what the season or the trial is, will you trust him? Okay, I'm asking people on this side. Listen, no matter what you have to deal with uh, on Monday, even on Sunday evening, will you trust him? When you're standing in line getting ready to go to that Mother's Day dinner that you know you're going to stand in line longer than you ever stood in line on Father's Day. (laughs) I'm feeling a little weight here. Will you trust him? Because every day God wants us to trust him because when you trust him, you'll realize that God has been good to you even when you have to wait on god All right. i'm really done because um, i want to end this way because here it is uh, not only does she trust him and d- demonstrates to us that trust is the right way to peace but finally when god shows up and god does what god d- will do in your life um look at what she does she praises him go back again with me in verse 20 because in due time she conceived she bore the son and she called his name Samuel. Samuel in Hebrew sounds like God heard me. And I believe that all of us in our lives, when you know that God has answered in the affirmative to your prayer, you ought to put up some some markers in your life to remind you that God heard you, that God is the God who answers prayer. She names him Samuel, and she does to the Lord exactly what she said she would do. She does for the Lord. She gives the Lord Samuel as she said she would give. Now, fellas, I told you, well, let me go ahead and read it for you just for a moment here. Um, in verse 22, uh, Hannah didn't go up with them, for worship and she said to her husband as soon as a child is weaned I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever look at verse 23 Elkanah gets it right look at verse 23 Elkanah her husband said to her do what seems best to you (laughs) brothers I'm trying to teach you all in here uh, if you want things to be peaceful in your life, you ought to put this right right there. Just, just, this, this is your verse to live by today. You you're ready for it? Here it is. When, when she comes to you and asks you, to say, do what seems best. Uh, this is marriage counseling 101. This will fix most of your problems. <laughs> and so she does. And she presents the child to Eli. Verse 26, she sees Eli, she's in the temple, and she says, Oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, I have... He is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Don't miss this, because not only is worship the right way, not only is prayer the right practice, and trust is the way to peace, but here it is, praise is the right response to God's goodness. That when you know God has been good to you, there's only one correct response, that's praise. That's why the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord has God blessed anybody in here? Then you ought to praise Him. Has God been good to you? You ought to praise Him. If God blessed you with a godly mother, you ought to praise Him. If God has washed out for you, you and if God has answered your prayer, then you ought to praise His holy name. That, that's really what she does. Because when you go in the second chapter, you see all of her her praise. Some of your Bible says it's Hannah's prayer. Others say it's Hannah's praise. And check out just the first verse of her prayer and her praise. She says, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn, which is my strength, is exalted in the Lord. My mouth deride my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. This is what praise looks like. It looks like you're giving your all to the God who's given you his all. This is what praise looks like. It looks like you're giving, throwing up your hand, saying, you know what? I'm no longer going to worry about my problems because my God is greater than my problems. Sometimes you ought to throw back your head, lift up your hands, and say, God, you got it, and I'm going to praise you for it. Even before he answers the question to your problem, you ought to praise him on credit because you know God has already been good to you and when you know God has been good then you know that you can come to him no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing and you can trust God, the same God who watched out for Hannah, you can trust through her God example to know that God is able to see you through if you could stand all over the building, I want you. To... Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforceorg connect. And hey, Of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.